This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. For your word, as we go into your word of life this morning, Jehovah, please speak to us. Teach us by yourself. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, it's uh, Taiwo Ogunla Day in church this morning. Taiwo? Is Taiwo here? No? Okay. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 11 through 18. Verse 11 through the 18th verse. It says, don't forget that you, Gentiles, used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. We're talking about this stuff in Bible study right now. And I want to encourage everyone to attend Bible study. We're studying the book of Romans. Where this we have been studying in depth. Verse 12. He said, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. When he's talking about Gentiles, you can put your name there. You know, so when he says, don't forget you, Adekoye, Sonny, you used to be an outsider. Amen? You can put, you can put your name wherever it says Gentiles. He said, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Verse 13. But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far, you were far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of of Jesus Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought his good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. And verse 18, the last one we're reading in this uh, segment today. Now all of us can come together or come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. May God bless the reading of his word. So at the beginning of the month, the beginning of October, we started a series that we called Bridge Builders. 
bridge builders. In part one, we talked about forgiveness. Talked about forgiveness. In part two, we talked about reach out and touch, lean in and help somebody out. And last week, we talked about celebration time. We looked at the story of the young man that we refer to as the prodigal son. And I told you that the Bible did not call him prodigal son. You know, we are the ones that call him that. God did not see him as such. Amen. He was lost, but was found. And the interesting thing, the point I made last time is when this young man came back, before he could say this or that, before he could repent or not repent, before he could resist his father or agree with his father, the father accepted him. Amen. And we were talking about reaching out and doing the same to others. One of the things we have emphasized during this series is the fact that we need to take action. You know, many of us as believers, we know a lot. We know a lot of Bible principles. We can preach, in fact, if you, you're, if you're in a comfortable environment, maybe with your bodies and things, you can teach them so many things about the Bible. If you are not put on the spot, you know, come and face the church, something like that. You know, why? Because we know so much. We have learned so much, and we know so much. We know so much, but we do so little about what we know. And acting on the word is the real point of learning in the first place. Uh, knowing without doing is not a good thing. So in the New Testament, you, you see a lot of uh, stories about conflicts between Jews and Gentiles. But when Jesus came, laid down his life, he removed that separation. Today, I want to talk about breaking down barriers. Breaking down barriers. You know, somebody posted in our workers' uh, WhatsApp group something that shocked me. You know, it's interesting how you know something for so long, and that thing is, they call it ubiquitous, it's everywhere. Everybody understands and believes the same thing, but we have all believed a wrong thing. Amen? In fact, when I saw it, I said, no, I will Google this and find out for myself. And I found out to know that the post was right and I was wrong. Watch this. How many of you have had the saying that somebody is uh, snake uh, changing like the chameleon? They say they are always adapting to the environment. They, depending on the temperature of the, the mold, they, they are changing to the environment. Why? Because we believe chameleon changes color based, of its, based on its environment. Is that right? How many people believe that? Raise your hand now. Wave it. Wave it. Wave it. That's what we believed. <laughs> but it's a lie. It's a myth. It's a myth. The chameleon actually changes its pigmentation according to its mood. Not environment. The mood. I said this cannot be true. I saw people liking it and saying thank you. I'm like, no, this is, I will debunk this. So I went and I searched, and I debunked myself. <laughs> Amen? So 
what, what is the lesson from there? There are many assumptions we have made about life and about people that are not true. There are things you have thought, you thought you had something, you thought you saw something, you thought something was said, the way they acted, the way they, and then you have put up a wall. I will show them that I'm not an easy somebody to deal with. You have put up a wall, and they can't reach you anymore. Why? Because of assumptions. So the first challenge I have for us today is for us to challenge our assumptions. Whatever you have assumed, never will have, have thought about chameleon and that story I just told you. But I, I thank God for praise. Where's praise? Huh? Okay, well, the husband told her and then she told us. <laughs> Either way, one has become two, uh, two has become one flesh. So we, we thank you for the information. Amen. So when it comes to rebuilding broken relationships or relationships that have been separated and has chasms within them, part of the rebuilding process is that we must break down barriers, the barriers that we face every day. These barriers can include race. You know, you have some assumptions about white people. You have some assumptions about Africans. You have some assumptions about African-Americans. We have a whole lot of assumptions that has nothing to do with reality. And because of our assumptions, we have created walls that separate us from other people. There is an incredible peace that ensues when you tear down a barrier. When you are able to sit down with a friend, a brother, a colleague, and you are able to talk things over, and then you both realize that it was not a thing. What you thought was not even a thing. There is such relief that comes, and there is such peace that ensues. And this is exactly what Jesus did. The wall that the Jews thought they had with the Gentiles, Jesus pulled down. Jesus pulled down. Let me tell you a quick story. True life story. True life story. Hitler, in his heydays, decided that he was going to bring all the church together so that he can control them. So there will be no Protestants, no Catholic, no non-denominated. He wanted the church as like a state church or church state. Anyway, state church. State church. You wanted a state church. A state church. One church that the government is in charge of. And one of the things that was at the core of what they, were te- they, they wanted to implement is that Jesus is not a Jew. You know? They wanted to change the account of the Bible. So, as you would imagine, some people said, no, we're not going to have that. We're not going to be a part of that. Amen. And some people went with the flow. You know, some people, they don't like opposition. They don't like resistance. You know, so they said, well, uh, the Bible, <laughs> you know how we justify ourselves with scripture. Say, well, Romans 13, 1 says we should make our, submit ourselves to the authorities. Say we are submitting, even though they are asking you to do something contrary to your faith. So that continued until after the war and Hitler, they lost the war. 
by now, because those that did not go with the flow, the government made life difficult for them. So after the war, the church was, the church was divided. Those that were for the government and those that were against the government. You know, and some people thought within themselves, this is not right. We have to unify the church. So the leaders came and they had a retreat. Everybody went into a corner and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed until God was able to bring them together. The question I have for you this morning, who have you alienated from your life and say, I cannot deal with this person anymore? They hurt you, yes. We're not denying the fact. The fact is, they hurt you. But God is saying we must tear down the walls and the barriers. And it starts with forgiveness. There's, you can't tear any wall down if you have not forgiven yet. So it's a build-up to where we are, we are today. You know, when you forgive, you know you can forgive and still keep them at an arm's length. So I forgive you. When I see you, my stomach is not turning anymore. I, I forgive you. I'm okay with you. I just don't want to deal with you. But we take it a step further by pulling down that wall of separation and say, I was alienated from Christ. I was separated from Christ. I was not a part, you know, the, the old King James says, we were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel, right? I was like that, but now, today, I'm a son. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer separated. Why? Because Jesus took action. Would you take action? Would you restore? Would you bring together the two warring factions and say, it is time we make up? And do you know, this is, it, it runs deeper even in families. Where there once was deep love. A lot of times, you see husband and wife. They love, profess love all day long. I love you. I love you with my head and my neck. <laughs> I love you with my whole body. I love you, I love you, I love you. And then something happens. Divorce follows, and they hate each other's gods. Don't want to even deal with each other. And the children are the ones that will suffer the brunt of it. Amen? So what are you going to do about it? God is confronting us with these messages because he wants to challenge you and challenge me. You know, and it might be something you are doing passively. It's not an active thing. You know, I had a conversation with my sister on Thursday, you know, and uh, it was not a good conversation. It ended well. But it was, you know, like they say, if you see two brothers, they go in a room to have a talk, and they come out high-fiving each other. They've not told themselves the truth. You know? She told me some hard truth. She said, you are my pastor, I, but you are my brother too. And then she told me some things, and I've been working on it since that day. Thursday, I, no, Friday, I took action. Yesterday, I took action. It is useless to have knowledge and not take action. 
Everything that you have heard. In fact, last Sunday, I was so happy. Some of our young folks, they, they set up a meeting after service to resolve their differences. And you know, one of the things that came up in their conversation, say, well, we've been trying to reconcile with you, but you have put up a wall, a barrier, that we thought we don't know how to come to you to resolve this. As a child of God, one that has been saved by grace, would you let down that God and make up with that person? Amen? Amen? Amen. Between those churches, there was serious bitterness. There was serious resentment. Because if we would have had one voice... Hitler would not have been able to do what he did to us. But we suffered on your account. Because you could not stand up for the truth, you put us through the grill and we suffered as a consequence of that. You know, the world is watching us. The world is watching the church. When we come together, we must make it our business to break down barriers. When we come together, we must make it our business to show love. When we come together, we must make it our business to reconcile people to themselves, to each other, and back to God. That is evangelism, reconciling men back to God. What we have received, we give to others. Unity, harmony, and peace must be the trademark of the kingdom. Unity, harmony, and peace. One of, the, one of my pet peeves is seeing cliques. Cliques. We are in church, but we have cliques. These are my people. Who did you die for? <laughs> in fact, even if you died for them and resurrected, your blood would be useless. Because it's not, it can save anybody. Say, these are, these are my peeps. Which peeps do you have? You know, you, you have departments that have become so siloed, they can't lean in to help another department. That's not our, that's choir's responsibility. We are the ushers. Okay. Let me throw shade at you. So we are talking about Christmas cantata. I say, well, that's the business of the choir. <laughs> we are saying, come, add your body to it. All we want is body. I just chop, eat the words. As long as your mouth is moving and your body is moving to the rhythm, we are okay with that. <laughs> we have cliques in the church. You are not my type. You are not as educated as I am. I am Dr. Adekwe, Sonny. Who are you, by the way? So you're not a lawyer. You are not learned. The rest of us are ignorant. Only Toye is a learned fellow. <laughs> you know, friends... 
I, I know I'm adding jokes here and there, but I'm serious, dead serious. We cannot have cliques and silos in the body. We have one church. I tell the workers from time to time, Sunday service is one service. The choir is not having a service. The children's church is not having a service. The welcome team is not having a service. On Sunday, we have one service. Workers don't have a different service. Sunday school is not another service. On Sunday, we have one service. And each part is doing their part, and everything comes together to make us whole. My respiratory system and my digestive system, everything is working together. My nervous system, everything is working together to make me a functional human being. The lung cannot say, I don't care. The kidneys cannot say, I don't care. They all work together. It's important for us, and my prayer for us as a church is that going forward, we'll begin to see differently. We'll begin to understand differently. Because this is what Jesus did for us. We did not belong, but he paid the price for us to belong. What am I saying here? If you are going to pull down barriers and you're going to take action, it will cost you. It will cost you your pride. You know, if, okay, so Pastor Cole is my friend. And Pastor Cole is beefing with uh, Pastor uh, Bode, you know, and I really don't care for him. You know, that's not true. <laughs> but you can reverse it. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to reach out to him to reconcile them, is going to cost me because this is my friend. My friend may feel a sense of betrayal even though it doesn't make it true. So I can't believe you went and you did that. Reconciliation. When it comes to reconciliation, reconciliation is a gift just like forgiveness. I told us before that forgiveness is what? A gift. Forgiveness is a gift. That is why you are not forgiving because they, has, they are so remorseful. You are forgiving because it's the right thing to do. So it's not your tears and your, oh, I'm so sorry, I will never ever do it again. That, that's not the reason why I am forgiven. I'm forgiving you because that is what God did for me. And he didn't wait for me to beg for it before he did it. He did it before I was even born. Did it before I was even born. The same with reconciliation. When it comes to reconciliation, it's a gift that I'm giving to somebody. I'm saying we're having an exchange. Give me your pain. Let me take it, and then we can exchange friendship. We can exchange hurt, pain, with love. I'm going out of my comfort zone. I'm stepping out of my, uh, out of my space. I'm coming into your world, and I'm saying, let us reconcile. 
let us reconcile. Do you know <laughs> malice and all of those things? There will be no malice in heaven. You know that, right? So we are beefing. Me and I, she said she was going to do uh, medicine. Now she's IT. So we are beefing. Because I'm rooting for medicine. And I'm keeping malice. I see her, I don't, I ignore, I, I pretend like I didn't see her. You know, she's there. With my peripheral vision, I know she's there. But to me, she doesn't exist. You will not carry that to heaven. <laughs> Amen? Because when you see the list, it includes malice. Nobody is carrying malice to heaven. Amen? So, first and foremost, I want us to understand that the ministry God has given every believer. How many people here are born again? You should be excited to lift up your hand. Okay. The ministry God has given to every believer is the ministry of reconciliation. They don't need to do anything, show anything, show remorse. You know, that, that's what we are always looking for. You are looking for remorse. They don't need to show remorse before you offer reconciliation to God, to them. When we go out on evangelism, we are not looking for who is least crazy. You know, who looks like they are ready. Do you know that the people that look like they are tough the most are the ones that need Jesus the most? Amen? You give them the good news. They will be the one to accept first before the other people. You know, the other people that you think look good, they, they look reasonable, they will accept, they are self-righteous. Say, I'm a good person, I don't lie, I don't steal, uh, why do I need Jesus? But the, ones, the one that is all jacked up, you give him hope that there is hope for you, he's willing to accept it. What am I saying? Reconciliation is a gift, and God offered us that gift, and in turn, God said we should go out and reconcile men unto himself. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, All of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God, some, let's read that together, and God has given us this task of reconciling God will never ask us to do what we cannot do. Amen? I don't care how well-trained your dog is. Your dog will never fly like a bird. And if you have such expectation of your dog, your dog will disappoint you every day. So God will never ask us to do what we are incapable of doing. He says the task that he has given every one of us is to reconcile people to him and reconcile people together. You can't take sides. You can't camp and say, this is my, these are my people, this is my group, this is my this, this is my that, this is my church member. And that's not my church member. We are called to be ministers of reconciliation. 
to facilitate the exchange that takes place during uh, reconciliation. You know, I, I'd read this story a long time ago, but I went back to read it again. Cory Ten Boon. Go and read, read about her. Cory Ten as T-E-N. Boon. Boom. B-O-O-M. Cory Ten Boom and her family during the Second World War were helped. In fact, the story goes that estimated 800 Jews they helped to escape from Hitler's world. And then finally, she and her sister were caught and thrown into the same concentration camp they were helping people get away from. And it's her sister, because of the conditions in that camp, her sister died in that concentration camp. And then the war is over. She, was, she managed to escape, and she's free now. She's a free person. And she's, guess what? She's going all over Germany preaching the message of forgiveness and reconciliation. Friends, once you agree to do God's will, a test will come your way. So she had a program one day, and as she was done, she was by the door shaking hands with people. She wrote a book, uh, Hiding Place. You know, she was shaking people, greeting people, and then one of the people that showed up in front of her was one of the guards at her concentration camp. What do you think you would do? Your sister died in their hands. You knew how terrible it was, so you were helping people escape. You, you helped about 800 people escape, and then you were caught in the web of it. And now you, you are confronted with one of your oppressors. What do you do? She shook his hand and hugged him and said, I forgive you, my brother. I forgive you, my brother. I forgive you. You know why she can do that? Because truly, God has touched her heart. Truly, God has ministered to her heart. What she believed was real to her. It's not just a story. There are many today. Church is an activity. A service like this is an event. And there's no outcome from it. But I pray that will not be your portion. In the name of Jesus. Number two, I want us to know that now we are in Christ. I'm in Christ. You are in Christ. Number one, I said reconciliation is a gift. Be an agent that God will use to hand reconciliation as a gift to others. Fix your own relationships. And then begin to fix, help people fix their relationship with God. Let it be said of you that anyone that comes in contact with you, they live better than you met them. They live better than you met them. You are, you are adding value to their lives. You are transforming lives. You are restoring hope. 
You are maximizing potential. You are helping them realize their destiny in life. Number two, we are in Christ. Let's read uh, 13 to 18 again. Let's read 13 to 18, Ephesians 2. He said, but now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says, uh, 1 John 4, 4, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That tells you something automatically. Beyond what we can see and beyond your organ systems, there is something in you, in your spirit. And the scripture is calling your attention to it. Say, greater is the one that is inside of you. Many of us have not realized that greater that is inside of us. And I'm not talking about intellectual. I'm talking about spiritual. Where you can walk with pride, I mean, not prideful, you know, but you, are, you walk with confidence. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Not every second, second guessing yourself and thinking somebody's out to get me and this and that. Amen? Listen. If the devil can kill you, you'll be dead already. Okay, you didn't catch that. Let me go back to the note. If the enemy can mess with you, by now you'll be messed up already. But there is a God that is inside of you, and you need to understand that I am not alone. God is in me. Christ is in me, and is my hope of glory. Amen? God is in you. You have the greater one inside of you. If you have... (laughs) uh, Okay, that's sensitive. Don't let me go there. Anyway, (laughs) so Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles. Friends, we are in Christ. Christ is in us. And his purpose in our lives is reconciliation to the Father. He has reconciled us to the Father. Amen. For me, when I, when I first gave my life to Christ for real, you know, forget about the other stories that I told you. But when I gave my life to Christ for real, for real, for real, one of the things that challenged me so much was how, in, how on earth did I think I was a Christian for all these years and I wasn't? So I wanted so much to learn. I wanted so much to know. I wanted to know what this Jesus has really done for me. So I know what I'm entitled to. I wanted to know my rights. So I began to eat up scripture like chocolate. I wanted to know. I was excited to know. I was excited to learn. And that is the reason why I have the confidence that I have in him. Listen, I've told you before, I told my mom many years ago, She's of blessed memory now. I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm definitely older than 33 now. So if I die, you can't say I died young. Maybe I was, I don't know. I was definitely under 40. So I, I said that to her. I said, <laughs> because Jesus died at 33. 
Can we say Jesus died young? He died young. <laughs> because of one man's death, billions of us today are saved. That is not a wasted life. <laughs> he accomplished exactly what needed to be done. You know, staying beyond your time is a problem in itself. When I, it's part of my prayer. Lord, when I'm done, take me home. When I'm done, my assignment is done. You want to leave when the ovation is the loudest. You know? Not, okay, you have served great man of God, whatever they call you. You know, and now you are going sideways. Caught in adultery and caught in this and caught in that. Oh, you stole money. And, do, do you understand how it just messes everything up? So, Lord, when I am done, Take me out. Whatever age is a number. But as long as I still have breath in me, I will do your will. I will do your will. Amen? God is in you. And the God that is in you will enable you to do the impossible. Somebody say the impossible. God there is so much more to your life than what you think there is to you. That's what I found out for myself personally. Listen to this. There's, some of you might know the story. There's a guy, uh, Billy Neil Moore. Billy Neil Moore was on death row for about 17 years. True life story. Happened in Georgia. 17 years on death row. He killed a 77-year-old man in the course of robbery. 72 hours to his execution. Well, prior to that, one of those people that do prison evangelism went to prison. They preached to him, talked to him about the love of Christ. And he accepted Jesus. He accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he was so excited. He had peace. He did what they accused him of doing. They were going to execute him. So after he received Christ, he decided to write a letter to the family of the man he killed. And he apologized, told them he's sorry for what he's done. Don't forget, his faith is sealed. He's not trying to accomplish anything here. He, he, he just wrote to them to say, I'm now born again. You know, I received the good news. And I want to share that with you. If you don't know him, you too accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I ask for your forgiveness. I am sorry. And they replied to him that, ah, we too, we, we know Jesus. We have, accepted, we have accepted Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior. Guess what? Pastor Cole, they wrote a petition to the parole board on his behalf. All he wanted to do was just do the right thing. He's still alive today. Still alive. The man he killed, he killed in 1972. The general of Asia will always tell us, make sure when you are in Christ, you remain in Christ. Because if you, so as the man that was shot and killed, let's assume, we're just assuming, right? That's not his story. So nobody quotes me. That is not the story. <laughs> But let's assume, let's assume, 
Let's assume he was a Christian that is now backslidden in a moment and is killed by this guy. He's missed the promise. But this guy now, he's been sentenced to death, awaiting execution, accepts Christ. Where do you think he's going? Don't be one leg in, one leg out. They appealed to the parole board. It was shocking for everybody. They let him go on parole. He's an ordained minister today, preaching the gospel of Christ all over the place, even in prison. There is no, what can be worse than that situation that that family forgave him. You know why? Because they said, we are Christians. We are believers like you. We have suffered a great loss. Whatever we do now cannot bring our loved one back. But you are born again. You have repented. We forgive you too. We forgive you too. We forgive you. When we start living out this kind of faith, not the faith of, I have more money than you. Not the faith of, I have a bigger house than you. Not the faith of, my, my house is the biggest in my subdivision. Because that's the faith we, we preach now. It's a competition. Who drives the best car? Who does this? All that mess. Real faith. Love. Jesus said to his disciples, said, by this shall men know that you are my disciples, when you love one another as I have loved you. That's the challenge I have for us. And as I close, I want to let us know that there is unity in diversity. There is unity in diversity. Romans 12, 5 the Bible says, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, but we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. I'm not different from you. In my body today, there is no organ system that is better than the other. Amen? If my stomach is not digesting food properly, I'm in trouble. Amen? If my skin, you know, many of us don't know the value of the skin. There's hair on your skin. It's trapping air for insulation to keep you warm in the cold. Everything is working together to give you the life that you have. Until we come to that understanding and realization as a people and as a church, we'll keep competing with one another. And it's not a competition. One body. Somebody say one body. One body. Whether I'm in Rema expression or I'm preaching or I'm in behind the equipment in technical or I'm the bass guitar player or I'm the wonderful worship leader, whatever it is, we are one body. None is better than the other. 
My eyes are not better than my nose, as fat as my nose may be. Watch. In Galatians chapter 3.28, and I'm going to close now. Galatians 3.28 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. You know, particularly for a lot of us that uh, were originally from the same place, we mix up culture and tradition with scripture and we make it seem like that is what the scripture has said. No, that's your culture. That's your culture. That's our culture. Don't make culture scripture. You'll be putting up barriers for people that they can't belong. One of the things uh, missionaries have to learn when they go to a new environment, they have to understudy. Understudy the, yes, daddy? Culture. You have to understand and understudy their culture. You are not changing them to your culture. Say, I'm the missionary here. You know, and in my culture, this is how we greet in the morning. Then you are teaching everybody to greet you. You don't do that. You understand their culture, and then you adapt to the culture so you can win them to Christ. Paul said, I became all things to all people that I might win them to Christ. No Jew, no Gentile. No slave, no free. We are all one. Somebody say we are one. Reconciliation is the heartbeat of God's kingdom. Reconciliation. That's the heartbeat of the kingdom. I'll read this to you in Micah, and then we'll, 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 close, uh, we'll close there. Uh, Micah 7, 18 to 20. He said, where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You, are not, you will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. This is God. This is our Father. This is the one we emulate. This is our example. This is our example, the example to follow. Watch. It says, God will not stay angry with his people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Verse 19, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depth of the ocean. I want you to rise to the, your feet. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.